you're listening to The Spiritual Awakening Show. Today I'm sharing part 5 of my ongoing series on Kundalini Awakening. In this section, we're going to explore the different types of Kundalini Awakenings as well as the difference between an activation and a full awakening. If you have any questions for me, you can always send me a line at info at brentspirit.com or through my DMs on Instagram at brentspirit. Visit my website for more free content like ebooks and audiobooks or to find out more about meeting with me one-on-one. Now, enjoy the episode. Hey, what's up, my friends? Welcome to part five of the Kundalini Awakening series. I'm Brent Spirit, and today we're going to explore the different types of Kundalini Awakenings, as well as the difference between a Kundalini activation and a full awakening. So before we get into that, I just want to give a quick recap here of the things we've talked about in the series so far. So in part one, I gave a brief overall introduction to Kundalini. In part two, I shared some guiding principles to help you to get through your Kundalini practice, your Kundalini process rather smoothly. So those principles are, there are six, to respect the Kundalini and the process, to surrender to the Kundalini and the process, to observe whatever may arise with unconditional loving awareness, to meditate, to listen to the guidance coming both from within, as well as to seek the guidance of those who may be a little bit more ahead on the path than us. And finally, to feel, to feel everything fully, no matter what it may be. So in part three, I offered some principles and practices to help you to stay energetically balanced and grounded as you go through your Kundalini awakening. Of course, things may get difficult at times throughout our process, so that's why those two parts of the series are so fundamental. They're the foundational practices and ideas that you can return to and explore and practice when things get challenging, and hopefully they can help you out a little bit. So please, if you haven't checked those out already, go ahead and do that. It's very valuable. It will help you to be safe as well as to get through this practice with understanding of what's happening, okay? So in part four, I spoke about the different ways in which Kundalini can be awakened. Of course, like I mentioned, if you haven't seen the previous parts of this series, go check them out. You can also find the audio version on my podcast called The Spiritual Awakening Show. It's available for free on Apple and Spotify. As well, you can read about this series. I have the text version on my blog at brentspirit.com. Check that all out. So with all that said, let's get into this part of the series and talk about the different types of Kundalini awakenings. So typically, the Kundalini awakening process is often depicted with a general theme of a force rising from the root chakra at the base of the spine, straight up along the spinal column, which is known in the uh, traditional yoga systems as the Shushumna Nadi. So finally, that Kundalini reaches the crown chakra and that brings about self-realization. So though that type of awakening may be the most often depicted, sorry, maybe the one that's most often depicted in art and that sort of thing, it's not the only type of awakening. And in fact, it's one of many, and it's actually rather rare. It's the one that artists choose to depict because it's the most intense. It happens in a brief moment all at once. It's very flashy. It's very exciting. It looks cool. And it's very simple to understand. Rise, the energy rises from the base of the spine up to the crown chakra and boom, self-realization happens. But in reality, like I said, that's a rather rare unfolding of the Kundalini awakening process. And there are many, many other types of awakenings. There's many different trajectories and, and pathways that the Kundalini can take. It can get stuck at certain places. It can uh, rise 
from the feet upwards and the crown downwards, all different types of ways, which I'll be talking about a little bit more here. But what's important to understand is that the process is not as simple as it just rising from the base of the of the spine and up to the crown and that's it. It's much more complex than that. But if you ask me, it's not completely necessary that we understand all of the intricate details and variances of the process in order for us to go through it. Personally, I don't understand many of the aspects of the journey myself and I don't feel it's required. Of course, some of us may be more inclined to explore the nuances of the path from biological points of view, psychological points of view, through the scope of traditional teachings, through in-depth understanding of the nadis, which are the energetic channels within the system, and so on. And that's all great, and it's necessary that we do have a certain inclination as a, as a collective to continue to uncover more and more about the Kundalini process. However, not everyone needs to be so committed to acquiring all the knowledge about the process. Some of us don't need to know anything at all about the process. We'll be just fine as long as we maintain the qualities of surrender, trust, respect, and are open to feeling and experiencing whatever the kundalini needs to show us. Here in the West, we tend to have a sort of idea that intellectual understanding is the greatest thing of all time and that it's necessary for success. And there is some truth to that within certain contexts, maybe within your professional career, maybe within academia, but within spirituality, things are a little different. Intellectual knowledge is valuable, but it's not absolutely necessary because we also have wisdom within the heart. We have an intuitive understanding. We can rely on our own experience. We can rely on our own uh, feelings, our own uh, sense of how things are unfolding without having to rely on textbook knowledge. Okay, So the intellect. The intellectual approach is valuable, but it's not the only thing. And so it's important that we understand that just because you don't understand all the different Sanskrit terminologies or you don't understand all of the different trajectories or ways that Kundalini is moving through your system, it doesn't mean that you can't have a successful process. A caterpillar doesn't need to know everything about going into a cocoon and becoming a butterfly. It just follows the instinctual process that's evolutionarily ingrained in it and it has a successful unfolding without any intellectual knowledge whatsoever and the same can go for you. So anyway, I'm rambling a little bit here. But with all that said, there are different routes that the Kundalini can take and there are different sort of hurdles that need to be traversed in order for it to continue the journey. So we need to support our process in various different ways and those different ways may be unique to each of us. Of course, like I keep saying, the process is highly individualized, though there are general themes. So in addition to the typical sort of stereotypical idea of a kundalini rising from the root, there are also awakenings that seem to begin from the feet upward, as if the kundalini is initially stimulated by Mother Earth, which of course is synonymous with the Divine Mother Kundalini Shakti, one and the same. So conversely, some experiences also involve the divine pouring in from the crown chakra and then into the system. So we call those a top-down awakening. It's all kundalini in some way or another. So these different types of awakenings can contribute to the different experiences that people have as individuals. So this is part of the reason for why many people may have similar experiences in general. But the specifics can vary greatly. So somebody having a top-down awakening may have a sort of awakening of consciousness, a shift in in perspective, much more early in their journey than somebody having a root-up awakening, just for example. So there is a distinction as well between a kundalini awakening and a kundalini activation. 
So if we can use the metaphor of a person sleeping at night, a kundalini activation would be like getting up, seeing the time on the clock, and then immediately going back to sleep. Whereas a kundalini awakening, a full awakening, would be like getting up, getting out of bed, and starting one's day. So prior to having our kundalini awakened, we can experience many different temporary kundalini activations throughout our spiritual journey. So most commonly, we can experience a stirring or activation of the kundalini in the root chakra to various degrees, uh, subtle or intense, as a result of spiritual practices like meditation, yoga, chanting, prayer, contemplation. We can experience that as a result of certain sexual experiences, drug use, trauma, or being in the presence of someone with a very powerful and radiant kundalini shakti presence. So these experiences can sometimes, in certain instances, also activate our kundalini, causing it to be stimulated. And other times it can cause it, those experiences can cause it to be fully awakened, but most commonly we see people having temporary activations. So while the kundalini is activated, one can experience certain mystical phenomena, they can have a deep sense of of peace, they can experience a certain restlessness, they can experience certain energetic phenomena within the body, intense emotions, spontaneous movements, they can go into samadhi spontaneously in meditation, and the like. And then, shortly after, maybe within the same hour, or within the same week or two, the kundalini goes back into dormancy, and the spiritual phenomena that was experienced during these times can cease, it can stop. So, in these cases, the kundalini didn't get a chance to fully rise, to fully awaken. So often in these instances, the kundalini wasn't able to fully awaken and stay awake due to a lack of preparation by the aspirant. So this isn't necessarily a problem or a bad thing. It just means that the awakening, that the system wasn't yet ready for the awakening to happen. Of course, kundalini will rise when this, when ideally, in an ideal situation, the kundalini will rise fully when we are in a position to be able to handle that force and to handle that process. So we become ready by engaging sincerely in our spiritual practices so that when we're ready, the kundalini can rise without much resistance. So sometimes people have a kundalini activation, which they may mistake to be a full awakening. So it's important to be mindful of this pitfall and to seek proper guidance from those that are further ahead on the path. So this is key to ensure that we travel smoothly on our journeys as well. It's also key to avoid having our spiritual experiences, which are ultimately meant to chip away at our ego, to serve, to prop it up instead. So kundalini awakening differs from kundalini activation in that an awakening or a rising involves the kundalini exiting out of its dormant state into an ongoing and permanently awakened state within which it can carry out the transformational process and bring about self-realization, the realization of the divine yoga, oneness, and all that. So in an ideal situation, the awakening happens once the system has been adequately prepared through spiritual practices so that the kundalini can rise and carry out the process without much strain. However, that isn't always the case. So the same situations that I mentioned, which can bring about a temporary kundalini activation, can also result in full awakenings in some rare instances as well. So it all depends on the individual, their spiritual journey, and their destiny. Now once the kundalini is fully awakened, that process does not cease. From that point forward, a person's life will be centered around their kundalini and the transformational journey. So in the next section, we'll take a deeper look into the topic of Shaktipat, how it's given, as well as how it's received. So Shaktipat is the transmission of Shakti, which is the essence of Kundalini, from a person who's got a certain advanced level of self-realization 
unto a seeker. It's a very fascinating, interesting topic. I'm excited to get more into that with you in the next part of the series. So as always, if you have any questions for me about anything to do with your spiritual journey, you can reach me at info at brentspirit.com. You can also send me a DM on Instagram as well. If you'd like to meet with me one-on-one, you can find out more about the sessions that I offer on my website, brentspirit.com. Until next time, much love. Peace.